We're still looking at the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 5, the 11th week. We're through the blessed hours. We went through those where Yeshua extols the life in the kingdom. He tells us that people uh, who live lives as kingdom members with the same love, respect, compassion, forgiveness, and generosity toward their fellow man that Yeshua had, those who love the Lord their God and show it through their obedience, will be blessed. They'll be confident, secure, happy in their walks with God. And he's preparing us for his expounding on the Torah. He's about to expound on the Torah. He's about to teach Torah. And since we know that he speaks the very words of God, we know before he begins that he will tell us how to live out the Torah as God would have us live it out. But before he begins his lessons in the Torah and the law, he qualifies what is about to happen with this statement that we find in verse 17. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth. Till heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I'm sure that we've all read this many, many times. We'll try and put a little different understanding on it today, see if we can understand it a little better. But Yeshua says of the Torah that he hasn't come to abolish Torah, but to fulfill it. In other words, he hasn't come to do away with the Torah, but he's come to give us an accurate understanding of the law and the prophets, to fill them up with meaning, with substance. And he'll do this in his teachings and through example as he walks through life. Most of us, most often people read this and because of erroneous teaching about the law, they they think that Yeshua has just rendered the Torah obsolete. They think that it means, the word there that means fulfilled, means over and done with. That's not what the Greek word means here. And one of the ways we know that is that Yeshua says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. Notice that he says law and the prophets. So if you think it means it's done in the sense of done away with, finished, then you have to throw out all the prophecies of the prophets as well, all the prophecies of the Messiah, all the end days as well. You'll never hear a Christian say that Yeshua put an end to the prophets and the prophecies, that he's going to return and rule and reign on the earth and so forth. So why do we say that Yeshua means he put an end to the Torah? Because he combines the two. And here in our Standard interpretation, when we look at what he says, we misinterpret the word fulfill. And the word fulfill in Greek is pleru. I put the definition up here for you. To make full, to fill up, to fill, to cause to abound, to furnish, to supply liberally, to render to complete, to render full to complete. In other words, look at the Greek here. It means to fill up, to cause to abound. Yeshua came to fill up the Torah and the prophets with meaning, to make the understanding of Torah and prophets complete. 
And we can see this again if we examine why Yeshua is saying this. Because you have to wonder, why would Yeshua insert this into his sermon? The Sermon on the Mount. Right between the blessed hours and the Torah lesson, he inserts this. And why would he do that? Well, it's because he's about to teach Torah. And he's about to teach us the way that God would have us live out the Torah. The kingdom standard for living out the Torah. That's not what the people have been used to. What the people have been used to is man's way. Or we could say the Pharisaic way of living out Torah. You see, in Judaism of the first century as today, when you say the word Torah, it means much more to the ears of a Jewish hearer than just the written law. It also means all the traditions associated with keeping the law. By way of easy example, if you were to go to a yeshiva and you saw a young rabbinic student studying a volume of the Mishnah or the Talmud and you ask him what he was doing, he would tell you, I'm studying Torah. I'm learning Torah. You see, to the Jewish person, the whole of Jewish law is Torah to them, just like the written word. Let me read a command for you to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8, read this way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit in your home, when you walk by the road. When you lie down and when you rise up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. And so what we have here is a command of God to write his word on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And we all know how this is done in Jewish law. You take a piece of parchment with these scriptures and also Deuteronomy chapter 11 verses 13 through 21 and you affix it in a slanting position to the upper part of the right-hand doorpost so that the upper part is facing inward, the lower part is facing outward about a hand breadth from the edge of the doorpost. That's the requirement. And if you do this, the rabbis will tell you that you fulfilled the command by Jewish law. This is how you keep that command. And let me say, the tradition is not separable from the command. So if I come along and I teach, well, listen, folks, you know, in the city of St. Paul, the doors open in such a way that if we uh, affix our mezuzah uh, on the other doorpost, so it'll be more easily to reach, to touch, and so forth, to see. And we all do that. And an Orthodox rabbi came along. He'd say, well, you're not keeping the command. You're not doing that right. Another scenario. What if I decided after reading these scriptures that what God meant when he referred to these commandments, he was really not talking about these commandments that are in the mezuzah, but he's talking about the repetition of the Ten Commandments that happened just before this in chapter 5. And so... I decide, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the Ten Commandments and I'm going to put them in a frame and I'm going to post them on my doorpost. And if again, if a Jewish rabbi came by and he saw that, he'd say, heaven forbid, that's not keeping the commandment, right? What he's saying is that I haven't kept the commandment because I'm not following the tradition. You see, the tradition is not separable from the commandment. And if you don't do it according to the tradition, then you're not keeping the commandment. So, let me say this. With all of that in mind, if I were going to go to a a group of Jewish people, like Yeshua is about to do, and I were going to teach something different than the prevailing way of doing things, 
Say I was going to teach putting your putting a uh, plaque on the with the Ten Commandments on your doorpost. I was going to teach them something different. I might want to say to them, "Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come to teach you a correct interpretation of the Torah and the prophets." And that's what Yeshua is doing here. He's putting this qualifier here because what he's about to say is going to stray not from the written Torah. Heaven forbid. But it's going to stray from the traditions of the rabbis, the ones that they've implemented to keep the written. And so he's saying, think not that I've come to abolish the law, but I've come to fill them up with meaning for you. If you practice Torah as the Pharisees, you are going to fall short of the kingdom entirely because their righteousness does not live up to kingdom standards. So listen to me. As I teach you, he's saying, to live content, secure, happy lives, to live kingdom lives that you will enter the kingdom of heaven, then this is how you must live. And he goes on to tell us how to live those kinds of lives. And right away, I'm going to have many Christians crying foul because they're going to say, because they believe the Torah is done. But let's be real. Yeshua never in his ministry ever violated one command of Torah. Neither does any of his students, to include Paul. Never in his ministry does he ever tell anyone to violate a command of God. They all come against the prevailing tradition, but never the Torah. So to those people, I just have to say, you know, what you need to do is read your Bible without Christian prejudice, without traditional prejudice. Read it anew. Next, I'll have probably many, many of the Hebrew roots And Messianics come to me and say, well, wait a minute, Stan, Yeshua was a Pharisee. How can you say he's coming against tradition? Well, I can say that because over and over in the gospel accounts, Yeshua confronts rabbinic tradition, as do his students, to include Paul. And where do you ever read that he was a Pharisee? He doesn't say that he's a Pharisee. He never called himself that, and nobody else called him that either. So to those people, I have to say, you need to read your Bible over without rabbinic prejudice. Listen, Yeshua says something about Pharisaic Judaism, Rabbinic Judaism. In Matthew 23, he says this in verse 1. He says, Yeshua said to the crowds and to the disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide, their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets. And the most important seats in the synagogues, they love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have men call them rabbi. And so Yeshua says of the Pharisees that they sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they have the right to make decisions on how the Torah is lived out. And then he says, so you must obey them. First Fruits of Zion years ago in one of their Torah clubs said this about that statement. I, I'm just going to read it for you. I didn't put it up here. But it said, Yeshua's words amount to an endorsement of the emerging halakha of the first century Judaism. Now, how they ever got that is uh, out of Yeshua's statement, I'm never going to know because Yeshua isn't endorsing a thing here. But follows, you must obey them with a rebuke of their halakha. 
Yeshua says that the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. And remember, Moses sat outside the tent of meeting. He would inquire of God for the people. If they came to him with a question about the law, Moses would enter the tent of meeting. He would inquire of God and return with an answer about the law for the people. And that answer about the law then would be binding on the people. Yeshua is not putting his stamp of of approval on Pharisaic Judaism. He's merely saying this. They're in power and powerful. So you have to obey them. It's the same way that Paul says this about the Romans. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, he says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Paul is saying the same thing of the Romans. It doesn't mean that he condones the way the Romans live. You see, it is what Yeshua says next that's important. But do not do what they do. First century Judaism, you study to do. But Yeshua says, do not do what they do. Yeshua tells us that the Pharisees now occupy the seat of Moses. But what they have done is they've taken God's law and they've made it a heavy load no one should bear. In other words, their rulings are not what God intended, but they are a burden upon the people. And the the point is this. Yeshua, in his first message, realizes that the people have been taught incorrectly, that the rabbis, in their interpretation of the law, have misinterpreted the law for the people. But because the rabbis or the Pharisees are so respected, the people have accepted these rulings as what God intended for them instead of the heavy load that they are. And so in their mishandling of God's Torah, they've actually brought an end to the law and replaced it with their own. Their interpretation was so bad that they destroyed the true meaning of the law. Yeshua realizing that the people thought and had so much respect for the Pharisees that their way was correct... And what he was about to teach them would be completely foreign to their ears. He says to them, don't think that I've come to destroy the Torah. I've not come to destroy it, but I've come to add meaning for you. Full meaning. I've come to give you the correct understanding of the law. I want to read from Dan Gruber's translation of this uh, in his his book, The Messianic Writings. Translation of the new, what we call the New Testament. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. Do not think that I have come to bring an end to the Torah or the prophets. I did not bring an end, but to bring fullness. Dan in his translation hits the truth of what Yeshua is saying. I've come to bring fullness. Or we could say full understanding. And we should have known that's what he meant because he goes on. Let's read it again. I tell you the truth till heaven and earth disappear. Not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And anyone who breaks the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom. You see, with an understanding of what the Pharisees have done to the Torah to the law of God, we begin to understand completely what Yeshua is saying. He says the law of God will not come to an end or disappear till heaven and earth disappear. Are heaven and earth still here? That means the law has not come to an end. And then he says, if you practice and keep these commands, teach others to do the same, you'll be great in the kingdom. 
And if you break them and teach others to do the same, you're going to be small. You're going to be nothing in his kingdom. Well, that's what the Pharisees have, exactly what the Pharisees have done. They've so badly misinterpreted the word that they actually teach others to disobey God. Now ask yourself this, if Yeshua is not bringing an end to the law, then what is Yeshua bringing an end to? Well, he tells us in verse 20 where he said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeshua's teachings are not to destroy God's law, but to bring understanding because the Pharisees have so missed the mark, so completely missed the mark. And he tells us that if your righteousness doesn't surpass theirs, then you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeshua has come to reinterpret God's law for the people to teach them to live it so that they will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. The only reason Yeshua says you must obey them is that that's what they agreed to. Uh, listen to how, what God does. He takes them out of slavery. And the very first thing he does, he gives them food from heaven. No price, no labor involved, just a free gift. Here's your food from heaven. And then he gives them a day of rest from their work. And enough bread the day before the Sabbath to keep them all the way through the Sabbath so they don't even have to do anything on the Sabbath day. Just rest. He takes them to Mount Sinai and he offers them freedom from the rule of man by offering them the ability to hear from him directly. No one in between. True, free access to God. The one who has delivered them, given them this wonderful freedom. He says, if you'll hear my voice and keep my covenant, then out of all the world, you'll be a holy nation. And at first they say yes, but then after they hear God's voice, they say no. And they asked for Moses to be their mediator. And by the time we get to Yeshua, that mediator happens to be the Pharisees. So they, by the rulings of men, have begun to reduce the people to slavery again. It says they've tied up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift the finger to move them. In other words, they've reduced the people to slavery again. And they're not willing to help them. Listen to what Isaiah 61 says says of Yeshua. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. You see what Yeshua's mission was? His whole mission was again to come and free the people. And we can see this in Deuteronomy chapter 18. As well, in verse 15, it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to him, for this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore. Yeshua came to release us from Moses. Not from Torah, not from the prophets. He came to set us free from the seed of Moses for a direct relationship with him. And so Yeshua states that in his sermon exactly, he says, I tell you the truth, till heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law till everything is accomplished. Yeshua makes a really interesting statement here. He says, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will disappear. The smallest letter in the Hebrew is a yod. You know, if you add a yod to a word, sometimes it makes it future tense, and if you take it away, sometimes it makes it past tense. The smallest letter, the yod, will not disappear. 
making the Torah past tense until all is accomplished. When people come to me and say that the Torah is done away with, I always take them to this statement and say, how can that be when heaven and earth are still here? And you know, it usually ends up in an argument, so I just leave it, I walk away, because I don't argue with people anymore. I used to do that. (laughs) Doesn't do any good. Why should I argue? But I want you to know that I personally don't feel, I don't feel that the Torah will ever come to an end. When the kingdom comes, when we enter into eternity with the Father, the Torah and the prophets are never going to pass away. The Torah and the prophets are part of the glory of God. John tells us that Yeshua is the Word made flesh. He's the Torah and the prophets made flesh. He's the radiance of God's glory. The Torah and the prophets record God's unfading love for His creation. And when we go into eternity with the Father, we will fulfill Torah just as Yeshua did. And we'll all inherit a perfect understanding of Torah. Yeshua says this about the future. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. What does Yeshua mean here? Is he saying that heaven and earth will pass away, but Yeshua's teaching of the Torah will never pass away? Or is he merely saying that it's impossible for heaven and earth to pass away? And it's impossible for my words to pass away. They're permanent. I think the latter. Yeshua's words will never pass away. The Torah will never pass away. Here's another one. Listen to this. Psalm 148, 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let the praise of the name of the Lord, for He commanded that that they were created. Let He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Heaven and earth are never going to pass away and neither are Yeshua's words. Time will pass. Rulers of this age will pass. The earth will be renewed. The heavens will be renewed. The earth that God made, though, will never pass away. And so Yeshua says that His words are as enduring as the heavens and the earth. He, let's look at this, this statement again. Anyone who breaks the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You know, we have a lot of people who are going to be little or least in the kingdom because a whole lot of people are advocating that we don't have to keep the commands of God. I don't want to be one of those people. Personally, I don't care if I'm great in the kingdom or least in the kingdom as long as I'm in the kingdom, but I certainly don't want to be one of these people. I just want to get there. So let me ask you a question. If you had to pick 12 commands that you would consider the greatest, where would you go? What what commands would you pick? Well, I, I think almost to a person we'd have to pick the two that Yeshua chose first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But think of where you would go to get the other 10. Where would you go? Well, almost to a person, I would think we'd say Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5, the 10 big ones. And I have no doubt that these are the greatest commands. So if we took these to be the greater, then the rest would have to be the lesser. And Yeshua said, if you don't keep the least of these commands, you'd be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Now think about it. Where does that leave us in regard to our position in the kingdom of heaven? Nearly all of the church says we don't have to keep the Sabbath day holy. That's number four of the ten. Much of the church has images of some kind in their homes. That's a violation of number two. 
So we're not only breaking and teaching others to do the same concerning the least of these commandments, but we're breaking and teaching them to break the greatest of the commands. And then he says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I've heard all kinds of spins put on this to make the Pharisees sound like nice guys and their teachings nice. One commentator said Yeshua means here that even though the Pharisees were extremely righteous in their keeping Torah, they still need to accept Yeshua. So that's how their righteousness, our righteousness has to exceed theirs. And while I agree that you have to accept Yeshua, I agree with that. But what Yeshua is saying here is that our walks through life have to be more righteous than that of the Pharisees. There's no getting away from that. Let's read it literally. He just said that their interpretations, we just read it in, in Matthew, that their interpretations were heavy, self-serving loads that made slaves of the people. That's not what God intended. Their interpretations, as we're going to see as we go through the rest of this chapter in the next few weeks, were so far from what God intended that they were actually teaching men to break the commands. The fact is, as long as there is a Torah, men will always try to find a way to circumvent its instructions for self-serving purposes. Just like the Pharisees did, just like pastors do, theologians of our day do. But let's be a people who listen to the words of Yeshua. Even as Jacob, Yeshua's brother, writes for us in the book we call James, in chapter 1 and verse 22, he says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Those who listen to the word but do not do what it says are like people who look at their faces in the mirror and after looking at themselves go away immediately and forget what they look like. But those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it and forgetting what and not forgetting what they have heard but doing it they will be blessed in what they do hey sounds like james has been reading the sermon on the mount we need to be a people who stand for keeping torah for all mankind not through rabbinics but through listening to the master to the still small voice within us to the spirit of god that indwells us we need to listen to him as we read Torah, and he will teach us how to walk it out.